nothing is bigger than the little things. And like you said, those little things add up potentially in a negative way. And when you're trying to um, do things the right way, there aren't a lot of shortcuts. Work in time, repetition, reps, reps, reps. We are recording, young man. All right, I'll be on my best behavior. It's all right. We can cut. We can edit. We can do things. We're in charge. It's oh, our the show. It's the beauty of technology. Yeah, the hell with everybody else. So, uh, when was this NBA 75 thing released? Uh, the NBA 75, I think, was released in like October, November, right? To start the season. Okay. Yeah. I'm a little, I was a little behind on that, so I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. Yeah. It's been a big thing lately with some of the guys that have been left off. Uh, yeah. Draymond has had quite a bit to say about it, and that's what prompted me to want to talk to you about it. So, uh, anybody, guys, first of all, <laughs> welcome to episode two of Good Till Cancelled. Uh, I hope you had a chance to watch episode one, listen to episode one. I don't know why I say watch because this is intended to be a podcast. We just happened to put it on YouTube as well, or will put it on YouTube eventually. Um, Nick, uh, welcome back. Thoughts on the first episode? How do you feel? I think we got the first one under our belt. I think it was good. We haven't been canceled yet, so we're just going to keep rolling with it and um, have some good times. Good. All right. Your computer's up and running. You you fixed that. Yeah, so I always have two Surface tablets at all times. Always. Isn't, uh, that, isn't that a nice little situation? <laughs> So I, I am using the backup computer that's been uh, that's been wiped clean twice. So um, it, it is good to go. I was able to get in and out of Best Buy yesterday in under 15 minutes, which has to be a record. I'm waiting on my new keyboard to go with the Surface tablet that is supposed to arrive, uh, I believe, by end of day. Are you on the backup rig because it's kind of just always a pain in the butt to get a new computer up and running quickly? Like it takes a little while. Yeah, it takes, I mean, it takes a little while. You got to, you know, sync everything from Dropbox. And I mean, luckily yeah. we keep everything in the cloud, but I mean, there is a bit of a transition process. So we always have to have one kind of ready to go. Um, we, we've had situations in the past where, you know, it, it can take two weeks to get a new computer at times, depending on what you want. We have kind of very specific specs that we want to have. So excited to have this, uh, get this new one up and going and see where we go. I have recently um, upgraded my equipment to Mac, and it's been, I've been, I ordered an iMac, which we're, I'm on now, uh, after Christmas, and then I literally, last weekend, just bought a MacBook, because I was sick of dragging my laptop with the charger all around the house, and the Mac is just well known for maintaining a battery, and I was like, well, if I've got one, I want the other one to talk to the other one, right, and, um, you know, having little ones, it's easy if I can just pick up some work wherever I am around the house. And I use that as an excuse to buy a really expensive computer. Um, <laughs> so that has, has it been a learning curve for you? I mean, there's, my, my wife has a MacBook, and there's been times where she's asked me to help her like, Hey, how do I get this file open? Or how do I save it? And I, I can't even figure out how to navigate the thing. One hundred percent, there's a learning life. curve. But I will say my wife was talking to me about the same thing. She's like, I, I can't use the computers now. I'm like, They've come a long way since when you and I were in college where it was like speaking a different language. 
like they allow the double click now. There's a lot of stuff in there that that they allow for. You just have to learn the OS, the operating, um, you know, how to save things. I think the biggest thing for me is the shortcuts. You learn all the little shortcuts and how to navigate, close windows, open windows, you know, not window, you know, whatever. The shortcuts has has kind of been the the big one for me. Yeah, but for I need it, power. I'm, I'm creating content, man. I need that. I need the power. Yeah, and in the world of editing, like the big time content creators i mean you have to use like an apple product right i mean that's what everybody's doing More you get you know yeah it's, it's the horsepower you start to put out the videos with you know the subscribe thing that comes on the bottom and the logo that appears and then you add some music and then you stack you and i together on a video all of a sudden it says you've run out of me- memory right and you know <laughs> you see that enough and you get you realize you got to pony up a few bucks and, and get the big rig yeah anyway what is on the docket? I think with that, we should start with one of your topics, which I thought was a great one. You were picking up off of something that uh, Dr. Daniel Crosby put out on Monday morning. And I think Man. just talking about me spending cool. money on computers and you spending money, like that, that might be a good place to go. Yeah, so Dr. Daniel Crosby did a short video on uh, the Diderot effect. And... Um, I'll try to do the story justice. Essentially, uh, Diderot needed to have a dowry for his daughter. He did not have one. He received a gift of what is equivalent to $50,000 US dollars today. He had the dowry for his daughter, but then he also got this beautiful scarlet robe. And this beautiful scarlet robe triggered this cascade of additional expenses because now he realized that the robe did not match other things in his house and he began to spend on other items and how applicable that is to i think all of us today how maybe one innocent purchase of for me a a surface tablet then triggered oh by the way i need a new keyboard that goes with it because the old one won't work and you know it'll have new new charging uh, a new docking station or whatever the the case is same with your apple computer and you know, buying a new house as we did last year or building a house. I mean, the Diderot effect is in full effect. <laughs> the Nielsen effect. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I believe that my wife is single-handedly responsible for a couple points on, on Amazon stock price. Um, but, yeah, it is, it is that effect of how one purchase triggers the corresponding purchase or the perceived need to update other things in your life. And how does that sit with you? I mean, we can recognize the Diderot effect and like, and what, and what kind of bias it is and, and human, you know, this cognitive nature. Yeah. What's your perception of it? I mean, it's obviously real. Oh, it's absolutely. I've I've just never heard it. I've never heard it put in those terms yesterday, but like, it just hit me. I'm like, man, that's what I've experienced in the past year of building this new house and moving in and, you know, the old furniture was no longer good enough for the new house and all of those things. I mean, I, I think it is a great reminder to, you know, before you make a purchase to just think about from a budgetary standpoint, like, you know, yes, we're making this purchase, but what are maybe the unintended consequences of that? Do we have to adjust our budget by 40% on what this is actually going to cost? I'm actually okay with it if, if you're coming from a place of like typical diligence, like I try not to like I've trust me I've you can ask my wife I've got I, I like nice things so when I spend money I 
generally like to spend it on things that cost a little bit of money. Um, but like, if you don't do it that often, my this is maybe me making myself feel better about it. Like if I go 60 days, 90 days or whatever without spending like real money, like doing buying anything, um, especially COVID allowed us to kind of hunker down and you're not going anywhere. You're just kind of accumulating um you're not doing a whole lot of dinners out and things. Um, so I would justify buying something. And then that dinner effect kind of plays in. You buy that plus a couple other things to go with it. But then I could step back and be like, you know what? I don't spend money like ever. Like once a quarter, I might do something like this. Or right. Once every six months. Like who cares? Right. And that's kind of where I go with it. Yeah. I mean, I think like for me, uh, I'm kind of weird when it comes to money. Probably all financial advisors probably have some sort of weird deal with money. Yeah. But like, I, I bought a um, $120 pair of some Nike shoes because I was playing pickleball all the time and I had <laughs> no tread on my shoes. I mean, they were like glass on the mm -hmm. bottom. So I, I get this pair of shoes, like they're perfect. They're exactly what I want. And I'm like, man, $120 is a lot of money. So I, I go out to the Nike outlet store and I'm like, I bet I could probably find a pair for cheaper. And so I end up buying like last year's model for $60 on sale. You know, that, that's just, and I, I never spend money. And then sometimes I'm like, man, you know what? $120, if I could find something for 60, that's an extra 60 bucks that we could use elsewhere in our budget. It's the difference between a marketer and a financial advisor. Marketers spend money. Yeah. <laughs> I, I spend money. It's, it's easier for me to spend money like within the business, like a new service tablet. Like I can justify that, you know, like done. Have to have it. What Is that because, but like, let's be real. Like, are you seeing that? That's not Nielsen money. That's know my plan. Right. Petty cash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to spend money on the business, but also I see the fruits of that labor. Like I know the ROI on any investment into the business yeah you know once it gets into your personal budget you're not you're not always you know seeing the the roi on it that's a real good question i want to ask you and, and only share what you're comfortable with but I, I i don't think this is super personal but um if it is then obviously don't share it uh, you guys know my plan has employees right like you guys have established salaries i imagine for yourselves that know my plan then just generates on a bi-weekly basis or monthly basis or whatever it is it's not like like i'm a i'm right i'm my own only employee and right. i've established that for myself whereas i'm trying not to just dip into the you know the company fund when i need cash like i try to delineate between those two wallets yeah yeah so we um my business partner jeff and i we're, we're 50 50 owners and we have uh employee uh andy so there's three of us so yeah, we, we, we pay ourselves a salary once a month. But it like doesn't change, right? Like you guys have to decide on when that changes. It doesn't just this month I need X, next month only need Y. Yeah, we we, we pay ourselves everybody gets a base salary that's the same yeah. all year long. And then we can take owners, you know, owner distributions as as necessary when we'll just whenever we do that to make our accountant happy, we always take the same dollar amount. So if yeah. the distribution of X amount of money will each take the same distribution. I wonder how many advisors that are kind of going solo. That that seems like a big, that could be a problem, right? Because I learned it as a solopreneur early on. Like, oh, 15 grand comes in. That's not 15 grand that just 
ends up in your family savings account, that's 15 right. grand that needs to stay in that business. And and I wonder how often that, that, that line gets blurred out there. Yeah. And, and, and you need money in the business to make investments within the business. Sure. Um, By computers. Yeah. And <laughs> I would, I would say that whenever we've invested money in the business, the ROI has been much greater on that than we could have you know done within investing the money in the stock market or real estate or whatever the case might be. So I think that is also the ultimate encouragement to continue to, you know, quote unquote, invest in the business. Yeah. So Diderot effect, um, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot extra to talk about there, but it's just an interesting thing to think about that when we go to make generally a big purchase, we do surround it with uh, fringe product and, and other fringe purchases that, that are unintended that we probably didn't consider going into it. I also... It may not be directly the Diderot effect, but I also wonder there are a, a good number of financial planners who like to tinker and, you know, okay, I just redid my website. You know, what is the Diderot effect of that? It's like, okay, now I got to do, I got to re redo all of my marketing collateral, you know, because I have to have the same color scheme or font scheme. And, um, you, you know, I mean, I, I think it's very applicable to a financial advisor's business because you don't whenever you update one thing there is a cascading effect of needing to go out and change other elements of your business i see it with clients all the time um we'll do one thing together and it'll work and then it's like well let's pour that across multiple mediums and channels and that makes sense right you see that it works but at the same time it's like if we spent this on this brochure or this collateral do you really need to go and buy this and apply it to that and but, but people do, and, and it, it's the Ditter effect. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so let's get into one of your topics that I'm super stoked about. All right. You brought to my attention the NBA 75. Now, this was Switching new. gears. Yeah, this, this was new to me because I knew about the NBA 50, and I, rem I remember when that came out, but I did not know about the NBA 75. So from big picture perspective, the NBA 75 – is the NBA's list of the top 75 players of all time. Is that correct? Yep. Correct. What what surprised you most about this list or just any like initial takeaways? I think we do a terrible job collectively in society of recognizing progression and um and overvaluing history. And I apply that to sports. I mean, take take that how you may, but in, as far as sports are concerned, like to think that, that Bob Cousy is going to the hole for two in today's NBA is absurd to me. Yeah, I mean, I've 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 seen, you know, I've, I've seen black and white, grainy video of some of some Bob Cousy moments. Um, yeah, that, that that that's that that's hard because the whole the way that athletes train today is different. You know, whether it be nutrition, education, the weight room. You know, who knows? In today's day and age, maybe Bob Cousy would be jacked and had a forty-two inch vert because I know, but we we can't call it the seventy-five it, best of all time. 
because we don't know, right? There's no way. There's no way to really compare Bob Cousy to Damian Lillard, right? It's almost like, are you saying that we really had just have to isolate who are the best players of a certain era? I don't know how to do it. All I know is put put sports on today and tell me that the hockey players are not five times faster than they were in 1960. Like I, I like. Yeah, the bigger, golfers bigger, bigger are not hitting stronger in every. Sport. Yeah, like yeah, I don't want to sit here and be like every year we need to update this thing because every year there's going to be better players and then we need to knock off the old people. I just I think we need to have rooms for this. Like the best seventy five players over the last hundred year over the last fifty years, like generationally, like however we do it. But like yeah. Bob Cousy only dribbles his right hand. Right. I, I'm sorry, I can't. I can't live in a world in which you're telling me that some of the players that were left off the list, Vince Carter, uh, you know, Draymond Green, um, you know, just just to name two of those guys, that he wouldn't even be able to like be in the same court with those guys. But then you see some people who are so incredibly obviously gifted that regardless of era, you know that they would have a role, like Wilt Chamberlain. Like I, I saw some YouTube videos of Wilt Chamberlain recently. Mm-hmm. The guy was enormous. I ran, don't think he's ran, as good as you think in today's NBA. I really well, don't. Maybe, I mean, he ran like a gazelle, uh, jumped out of the gym. He played against guys like me and you. Well, I, 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 I agree. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. It, it's hard to it's hard to compare. And he had kind of the, a weird looking hook shot type of scoop shot that he did that I don't know would work in today's NBA. But um, I just feel as athletic as he was in multiple sports that he would have adapted. His game may have translated. Like, I I don't want to be like, and we can't pretend to put people from then in now and like hypothetically watch them simulate a game. But like, yeah, his game may have translated. I'm just saying there wasn't a Hakeem or David Robinson in his backside the whole time. There wasn't a Rudy Gobert standing under the bucket to defend him. Right, right. Like, can you imagine Hakeem Olajuwon playing in the 60s? Yeah, you dominate. He may have averaged 70 a game. Yeah, like, that's my point. Like, you're turning around and dunking on a flat-footed, six-foot white guy. Like, no, of course you had 100 points. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it it would be, um, you know, like an NBA Jam version of these these grades, it would be fun to to see these people in their prime, you know, being able to play against each other and see what it would be like under the best the best training, the best nutrition. You know, assuming they're not drinking a six pack of beer and smoking yeah, smoking at, at, half-time, at halftime. You know, like some <laughs> of the things that you've seen videos of. What what's your thought on it? When I brought it to your attention, what and, and we decided to talk about it. What was your thought? So I I, I kind of thought of. First of all, I don't give a lot of credit for scoring only in starting in the mid-90s through today because there is zero defense played in the regular season, at least through three quarters of the game. Like To me, someone who scored 25 points a game in the 80s is completely a different animal than somebody who's scoring in the 20s today. Um. You know, we had expansion, which kind of watered down the league a little bit. And there's just not a lot of intensity through the regular season. And I also think, just from a fan standpoint, I go back to my personal situation. I didn't grow up having cable. And 
our our family friends a lot of times on Friday nights we would go get pizza we would go to their house and they had WGN and I would they put on the Bulls game and that like and it'd be like whoever they played and it wasn't like you casually watched an NBA game at that point because like for me that was the only NBA game I probably got to see during the week like I was locked in well there was nothing else to do there was (laughs) yeah it was it was the winter it was 18 degrees outside it was nighttime and you just had a pizza you were locked in on you know bulls nets or whoever mm-hmm. um and it was great then sometimes i think on saturday on cbs or nbc there'd be like an nba game of the week but you know that was about it other than getting stuff from the library um that had videotapes of certain you know nba highlights and things like that so the things that stood out to me, I think you have these all-time greats, but maybe they had a short career versus like the longevity guy that maybe was never one of the best five players of his generation, but it was really good. So I think like Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady are like great examples of like longevity guys. They scored a lot of points, but I don't know that they were ever like an elite player on a championship caliber team. I don't disagree um, with that comment in a vacuum, but if I, if if we're comparing them to some of the folks that are on that list of all-time NBA players, I will say that there's some questionable people there, and I'm not even going to continue to single out Bob Cousy, but I'm just looking quickly: Dave Bing, um, uh, Bob Petit, um, you know, I don't, I've never even heard of those two guys. Have you? Uh. Yes, just because I remember the videos from the library, um, watching watching those guys. Um, like Dave DeBusher, like I mean, I've heard of him, but Paul Arzen, Ar- Arzen, I've never heard of these guys. Like so, yeah, I don't, a, know, a... I don't know Paul. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard when you when you haven't watched them. So a couple a couple from more of the modern area that that stuck out to me that had short their greatness was shortened because of injury, but they were great. So one is Penny Hardaway. Like elite Penny Hardaway, I thought was incredible. Tough. Such a tough one to But yeah. short, short, short career due to injuries. The other one that had an injury shortened extreme career was Grant Hill. Grant Hill was amazing until he had those ankle injuries. And then mm-hmm. he still stayed in the league for like an additional decade as a journeyman being all right but i mean he was a superstar before he had that terrible injury yeah so those guys are arguable i mean i'm not a huge chris chris bosh fan but he's not on the list either right right and that guy played for 10 or 15 years uh till he had to leave early but he he put up numbers Um, yeah so so here here's the one that i'm most passionate about because I remember him at a young age, was Alex English. Alex English was a dude. Like, he scored at will. I believe he was the first NBA player to have eight consecutive 2,000-point seasons. And he, he was kind of on that Nuggets team yeah. that kind of changed the way that basketball was played as we know it today with the, you know, the fast-break style, very up-pace, but I mean, he was really, really good, and an, 
just reading a little bit about him, kind of the knock on him was always the fact that he wasn't flamboyant, you know? And that kind of goes back to our discussion we had last week about Barry Bonds versus like Big Poppy. You know, one was really liked, one wasn't. So I think there's a little bit of an element of a popularity contest, you know, with, with Alex English. The problem as I'm just looking at his stats is that he really only stood out as a 20 and five guy. Like he didn't put up, like 20 points throughout your career is great, but just a 20 and five guy is, is not super long-term attractive to me. But he did it in an era when there wasn't as many points scored either. You know what I mean? Like eighties was a little bit more, was, was a little rugged, um, but solid player. The other one that I, that I didn't see any mention of that I thought was interesting was Sean Marion, the matrix. Hmm. Fun player for sure. Elite, he had, and and this is just maybe a different take on you know Hall of Famer, NBA seventy five type guy. I'm not saying he's one of the seventy five best, but I I think he has to be in the conversation because he had an elite elite skill of rebounding. He was six foot seven. I mean, we're talking shorter than Dennis Rodman, and he had a ton of. 12 plus rebounding per game seasons. Yeah, he's got a different a different look to him. So he's a 15 and 8 as I'm looking at his stats here. So and, it, uh, and I think some of it is these guys stay on too long and it hurts their stats. Yeah, they try, uh, I mean, if, if he would have re- if he would have retired after 10 years in his prime and was a 20 uh he would never have been that. Uh, let's say he's a 19 and 12 guy at 6 foot 7 like Maybe he's not an NBA 75 guy, but that's a crazy skill set to have. Um, played on some good teams, won a title in Dallas, was always in the mix in Phoenix. Just a really, really interesting career. And I think you would have a stronger, you know, Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady, I think sometimes they got hurt by their longevity. Like if they would have got out earlier and they would have said, hey, you know, Vince Carter retired at averaging 23 and a half points per game. Then I then I think all all of a sudden he's more in the mix in these conversations. I agree with that. Um, I totally agree with that. I'm glad that this NBA All 75 kind of piqued your interest and 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 uh, created some attention for you. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I'll tell you what else um, created attention. Go me, ahead. I know you don't watch television, but Jack Reacher on Amazon Prime. No, I'm out. First, there was the movie with Tom Cruise. Yep. Then comes this show. I'll I'll go Tom Cruise because I think Tom Cruise does a fantastic job in those action suspense movies. He just he just brings them to life. I can't give you anything on what the hell's his name? Reacher. Oh, the guy that plays him. Yeah, the wrestler. I don't. He's a he's a mountain of a man. My goodness. I mean, you go from Tom Cruise to the six foot five, two hundred and forty pound dude chiseled out of granite. Like it could not have been like a further. No, shit. it's it's not. That's not who it is. It's yeah. Um, the guys, the guys, enormous. Are we thinking of the same person here? I mean, chiseled out of granite looks. He's. I mean, he's an Adonis. Bench presses Volkswagens. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's why I'm totally not in it. So I, I made a list of what I thought the best three shows of all time are. 
Oh, this is fun. All right, I can I can go here. I, I thought that was somebody else. You know who I thought that was? Um, John Cena. Guy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this this guy this guy is good. That's why I was like, I'm out on John Cena. No, no, no. This, this 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 guy is good. He doesn't say very much. It's almost like thinking about putting Jocko in an action movie. All right, that's why you love it. He looks like him too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He has, he has a lot of Jockoisms. But, all, all right, right so top my, three shows. Now you're throwing me a complete curveball here. Top three shows of all time. We didn't prep for this. And I'm not putting them in any order. I'm going to give them to you in alphabetical just so I don't lead. Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. Dexter, mm-hmm. and Ozark. I believe those are the best three shows of all time. I'm going to I'm gonna even preface that with saying non-comedic shows. Um. So, yeah, you got to keep comedy out of it. I think that's yeah. I, I, I don't want to get involved with The Office and you know Parks and Rec and stuff like that. It's hard to go against Ron Swanson. I'm any gonna vote, any vote for Ron Swanson is a vote for protein, and I'm <laughs> I'm pro anything bacon. But I think Reacher taps into an element in all three of those shows. Reacher is literally like one third Ozark, one third Breaking Bad, and one third Dexter. I can't believe I'm hearing you say this. That's you telling like it's Ozark, really good. Ozark, Breaking Bad, and half of Dexter are really dark. Oh, super dark. You're telling me that Reacher has that ability? Oh yeah, yeah yeah. 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 Epi- episode episode two super dark. And season one is only eight episodes. And, and I honestly thought it was going to be a throwaway prime series. Like had a little bit of downtime in between some Juco basketball. I'm like, you know what? It, I'm just going to watch an episode. I got nothing else to do. Episode one hooked me. And then I was, I was in for the ride. I will. Uh, and I know you don't do television. No, I'm, look, I, I almost owe you an apology because I, I literally almost laughed this whole idea of Reacher off the stage here. That, you telling me that, I will dedicate two hours tonight to two episodes. Make sure children it, are not present. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, children cannot be near. And I will consume two episodes of that and, and look for. I need a new show, so I will look forward to that. That's all, that's all I can ask. Boy, top three of all time. That is uh, that is a big one, Nick. I, I, I can't... I, you know, it's all subjective. I'm not going to sit here and disagree with you. I, I'm. We just finished episode seven of season four of Ozarks. Love the show. Um, huge fan of Breaking Bad. It was so different. You know, it was was yeah. that seven years ago, eight years ago? Like that was so yeah. different. So I love that. Dexter also pushed the boundaries. It's got this play of like a little bit of fun and goofiness with darkness, which I really enjoy. Um. I loved uh, the thing I loved about Dexter was the his inner dialogue with his dark passenger. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Um, and I oh no, it sounds really twisted, but I I think every financial advisor has that dark passenger as well. Just the head talk. Yeah, just the head trash, the demon that you're wrestling with. Is that now? Why would that be for a financial advisor versus anyone who's on their own? I don't know. I've, 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 I've just as a financial advisor, I, I, I know our world, and I think everybody deals with that head trash. It probably exists in every industry. Which is like what? Give me just an example. Nothing personal, but like what kind of head trash? What kind of noise? 
like, I, am I going to make it kind of stuff? Like, yeah. are my clients am, okay? Yeah, am I, am I, am I going to make it? Am I doing the right thing? You know, should the, should I outsource the portfolios? Am I good enough to do it myself? You know, should I should I hire an assistant? No, I can do it myself. You know. Do advisors have the imposter syndrome thing at all where, like, they get successful and it's like, do I even deserve to be, like, am I qualified to even be doing this? I think a little bit. I mean, I, th- I, I do think a lot of advisors are really confident, though. So I, I don't think imposter syndrome exists nearly as much as it's talked about because I do think there's a lot of confidence. Sometimes I, I, I think they sway on, they would swing to the other side of the pendulum and, and maybe are overconfident in certain areas, you know? It's interesting. I mean, I, I think, I don't, I want to go back to the TV shows in a second here, but like when I left corporate to do my own thing, I totally misjudged the loneliness up here that you have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, I could be having the best month, like, Right now, marketers company, the, the marketing company that I own and operate and manage, which is only me as a, as its own employee and the other people that I work with, I, I contract out to. So I'm not even responsible for them on like a, an employee basis. I can be having the best year, which I'm doing now, like knock on wood, things are great. I'm still every day wondering like, is this going to work? How's it going to like, because it's just, it's just you. There's no protection. Yeah. There's no security there. So it's, yeah, and I, I think the best, I think the the best thing that we can do is find like a small network to plug into, um, just to be able to ask questions, to bounce ideas off of, and stuff like that. You got to keep the circle small. You got to be exclusive. You know, you can't advertise it, but you got to have like your like core five. You know, just to like, hey, man, this is this is what happened today. Like how would you have handled it? You know, and just to have somebody that would be like, you know, you know, that's probably not the best way to handle it. And, and you know, here's the reason why this is what I would have done, or this is what I've done in the past. Um, you know, just to have some other ideas, because like you said, it can be lonely. And when you don't have that network of people, you know, it's, it can be challenging. For sure. Um, all right, let me hit you with some shows. You put me on the spot here. Uh, I'm going to go, I think, number one all time, The Wire. I've never, I've watched one episode. I'm going to write that down. Yeah, now it's been so long for you, you'd have to get past the idea of like, there's a little bit of technology stuff, like the the flip phones and, and the burner phones and things like that you'll have to navigate through. But The Wire and the writing and the premise behind that was all time. Yeah. Um. I might put Sopranos up there. Uh, that one carried me for six years, and 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 really, I really enjoyed that show. And that's that's one I've never watched either. Um, was, was that HBO or Showtime? HBO. Yeah. I'm just going through my my list here that I didn't have. I just I have them on IMDb that I rated them as. Um, and I've never paid for HBO or Showtime, so that's the reason why. Uh, I have not seen those. I can't. I, I I can't say that I I would put anything in place of Ozark or Breaking Bad uh, for my third slot. Um, 
I enjoyed much of Homeland up until five seasons. And there's other shows. I really like Billions, which is on now. I almost texted you last night and was going to ask you if you were watching that. But that's a ter- another terrific one. Um, so those are mine. I, I would go uh, The Wire, Sopranos, and then three, I would probably peg in Ozark or Breaking Bad. Ozark's so good. What was the show that got a lot of love with The Rock, who was like a sports agent? Oh, awesome. Uh, Ballers. Ballers. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was good for me for a while, but then it was just like deja vu all the time. Yeah, it was it was sports entourage, right? Entourage yeah. for sports, but that was fun. Yeah. Um, here's one I have for you that I've always wondered. So you're um, you're a man of faith. You don't curse. How do you handle shows full of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I I understand just that is kind of the world that we live in they're trying to make it as true to real life as possible like i even watch my mouth with you because i i don't want to in, in full disclosure i don't want to offend you like i don't want to just drop f-bombs for no reason no and I, and I i and it, and it doesn't it doesn't offend me you know my business partner is from long island the f the f word is a verb um, <laughs> so you know th- that doesn't bother me um you know you know there there are times you know Dexter is very dark and there's times like on Netflix that I would just hit the, you know, the little fast forward, the 15 second button thing. Cause I didn't want to see someone getting carved up like a thing. Dissecting paper. people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, I, I don't like gory stuff, but I, I do think most of these shows that are violence and dark don't really show as much other than Dexter. You know, they don't, it's easy to fast forward through and stuff like that, but I, it's true to their characters you know if there were no f words in ozark it would it would have a different vibe to it for sure yeah, does does your does jess watch this stuff with you Mm-mm. no that's a no-go what is on Not her really. what's on her top three list Oof. it would probably all be shows from hgtv okay and honestly as a as a stay-at-home mom and the fact that she is doing homeschool for all three of our kids, I don't know that she's watched TV in over a decade. Yeah, I, I will see that. Yeah. I, I will say, like, since kids, we do make it our thing that we do together is we watch Survivor on Wednesday nights. Like, that is, like, our thing. We take the 45 minutes and we watch Survivor together. We, we do game time every night. So we do – usually we do two, two rounds of Phase 10 – America's game. Um, that's kind of like our time together. We talk, we play some games, helps her to unwind a little bit. Um, but that's like that's our thing. How about the you? Kids guys? are involved, right? The kids are playing these games. No, 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 no. This is just this is just me and her. This is husband wife time. Phase ten. Okay. Kids. Um, Eventually, we'll let the kids play. I'm sure. Yeah. All right. Um, brings us to another topic that I wanted to talk about. You hit me with a sad song. For whatever reason, you sent me a message that included mention of the song Cats in the Cradle and how mm. terribly sad it is. One thing that I juggle with as noise in my head is the idea that this time with our children and our family, these moments in time are not infinite. And that I, I struggle with this a lot. It's, it's I, and I'll admit it, I can't wait 
for my time at night when the kids are in bed and it's, you know, it's downtime. I, I look forward yeah. to those couple hours every single day. Oh, yeah. And then if I think about it in the context of that song cats in the cradle, and then like that, that we don't have infinite amount of time with our, especially our little children, they'll grow up. That's, it's a juxtaposition. It's terribly sad for me. And, and, and can, I could have, I could force myself to cry over it if I, you know, really went down that rabbit hole. Yeah. How do you handle that? <sighs> you know, um, dealt with this recently because my wife was giving me a hard time about my hair. I'd grown out my hair on top for like five months. It was getting, it was getting ridiculous. Oh, I do see the haircut. All right. Looks and, crazy. um, you know, she said like, Hey, you got to cut your hair. Like this is out of control. You got to cut it. She's like, is this some sort of midlife crisis? And then, you know, you start thinking about, man, you know, I, I turned 40 in, you know, 40 days, you just turned 40. Like, man, is, is this the halfway point? Like, what, what if this is the 80% point or the not, you, you just, you just never know. Um, and I, I think all you do just like any sort of financial plan, you control the controllables to give yourself the best possible chance of living a long, healthy life. And that's making healthy eating decisions. And that is working out. And even if it's 30 minutes a day, which I believe you go hard for 30 and you can feel good about that decision. And you, you try to make moments every day if possible with your kids. Like this morning, I had some stuff that I wanted to do. My daughter came in the office and said, hey, can you print off a, a Christmas picture and color a Christmas picture together? I can't say no to her. So we printed off a Christmas picture. We turned on the Christmas music and, you know, we colored for, for 20 minutes. And that, you know, I think that made her happy. You try to find little moments, you know, that you can win every day. I'm not nearly as good of a parent as I thought I would be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I thought that I would, you know, maybe find more things to do easier, like with my kids. None of my kids are really into sports. I love sports. You know, I'm like, hey, let's go throw the ball around. You know, hey, you know, why don't I pitch some to you and you go hit or whatever. Like I've tried everything. And there's like, nah. You know, <laughs> like all the, all the things that I thought that like we would do. There's like, no, nah, yeah, hard, nah. hard, hard pass, hard pass, man. But, you know, and it kind, of, it kind of goes back like when I was a kid, my dad was really into cars. He was a car guy. And he's specifically like these vehicles called Studebakers. I don't know if you've ever heard of Studebakers. Sure have, yeah. We would go to these Studebaker car shows. They'd always be in the summer. It would The temperature had to be at least 90. You know, So all these car shows were somewhere between 90 and 120 degrees. They were terrible. You were miserable. And I grew up to hate cars, still hate cars. Um, and so I, I have to find that balance with, how do I enjoy things, share the things that I enjoy with my children, but not turn them into hating them? Like I dislike cars. It's tough. Yeah, I, I don't know that there's a solution to it. I think it was just interesting and it's something I think about. I, I, I'll, I'll go here with it. I feel like if you're at least present and acknowledging like your daughter came in, like that you can do better or that reflecting on moments where you could have done better. I think that just makes us all uh, better parents and, and more in the moment versus if you never reflected on it and never thought of different ways to handle things, you could probably pretty easily get down a, a path of, uh, or, or get yourself in a hole with that. Yeah. And 
I think it's also different, you know, for our generation versus maybe our parents' generation where there was a clear line in the sand between work, work and home life. And it's because we're both working from home. There's not that clear distinction between the two. And when you, when you run a business, it's not always a nice clean and easy nine to five work schedule. Yeah. Well, and, it never is. Yeah. And, and little kids don't understand the fact that I run a business essentially through my iPhone and they don't understand the difference between daddy is working or daddy's playing with his friends and ignoring me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's true though. It's that's real. It's stuff that our parents didn't deal with. Like, you know, I remember my dad usually got home at five thirty. I was there waiting at the car when he got home. Um, I had like a bat ball in hand and like All right, <laughs> show him go. everything you had. <laughs> I'm like, all right. He's like, okay, I need five minutes to change clothes and I'll be out, you know? And, you know, just thinking about it, like, I, I rode my dad hard, you know, he, he worked all day, got home, literally gave the man five minutes to change clothes. And we would go outside and we'd play baseball together. We'd play basketball until it was dark. We'd go in, we'd eat dinner. I mean, the poor guy didn't get any break. You're probably too, though. Your dad probably was on good enough dad behavior that it outweighed and suppressed the idea or the memory of when dad maybe got home and was just needed more than five minutes and was a little short with you yeah. that you don't even remember. You know, I will say that uh, my dad really is like superhuman. Like I really don't think he ever complained or said like, hey, not tonight. And he That's was- amazing, so, yeah. He was so committed to my activities that he was a university um, teacher. And when I played baseball in college, my school was four hours from home. He would drive for midweek baseball games, four hours one way to watch a baseball game. He'd drive eight hours a day to watch a Tuesday baseball game. He, That's good. He went to every single high school and college athletic event that I had. I think my mom missed a couple games in college my dad didn't miss a single one. Well, I don't know that then you can complain about your little jaunt to the hairdresser to pay the bill yesterday. <laughs> no, it was just frustrating, you know, and, and some of it you got to just, you got to zoom out and you got to say, you know, sending some LinkedIn connections or following up on some, with some messages, that's, that's just going to have to wait. That's not nearly as important to make sure that, my wife doesn't get crazy stressed out and you know, she doesn't need to stress about that. She doesn't know how to get money out of the bank. I'll just go and take her the money. What, um, you have anything else for me on, on today's, uh, on today's episode that you want to chat about? <sighs> couple things. The E-Trade commercial, I mean, this is what it's all about for all the financial advisors out there. You need to go to YouTube and type in E-Trade Mount Everest commercial. And this really hits home on like the emotional connection that ideally we can create like in our content, in a perfect world in our content, but at least the conversations that we have in our clients just to really drive home the difference between saving and investing. So I wanted to share that for people who are looking to get in shape, getting stronger on YouTube, Ryan Humiston guy is amazing. Have you come across his work, Corey? 
I have not. Big Jack Mountain of a Man has some great functional fitness tips, but he does it with an incredible dry sense of humor. Uh, very funny. He is a must follow. And then just a reminder that, you know, we're all, we're in the experience economy and it's all about giving people great experiences. And I had a great experience at Best Buy yesterday and, you know, people kind of left Best Buy for dead five, six, seven years ago. They thought that was a business that was going to go out of business. You know, they thought it was going to be like Kohl's or JCPenney's. How is a... How is a brick and mortar institution that sells electronics going to survive when they can just buy them on Amazon, online, whatever the case might be? Well, the only way to survive is to create an incredible customer experience. And I'm not saying they do that all the time with every employee at all their locations, but dang, they do a good job. I think they do a fantastic job. I think the other thing that we don't give Best Buy enough credit for is the risk that whoever made the decision, the CEO at the time or whoever, they keep enough inventory in that place so that it's not a brick and mortar Amazon. So that it's actually like available. And what I mean by that is we, someone had the foresight to say, we can beat Amazon because people might want it now. Yeah. And even though want to be able to touch it and see it in person, you know, even though Amazon can get you that surface, you know, in some cities you can get same day, but it might be eight hours from now, but most cities it's one day or two day. Like if you need it, they have it. Yeah. And it's not like going to your run of the mill grocery store or Walmart where you feel like you're annoying the employee. Yeah. So when I go into Best Buy, the first thing I do is I, 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 I scour the blue shirts. I'm like, all right, which one looks like I can, who do I think I can connect with? Who, who am I feeling the vibe? And like, I don't wait till they come to me. I go to that person. I'm like, all right. I was like, hey man, you know anything about a Surface tablet? Guy looks right at me. He goes, he's like, oh yeah. He goes, I'm Matt. I've got you. Done. In and out, man. Done. Couple, I had a couple questions. He's like, I don't know. Let me ask someone. I mean, that's cool. Two times, he's like, yeah, let me ask someone. I don't know that. Got got on his little walkie-talkie device. Got somebody. Got the answer. Yeah, it's this. Yep. Cool. No, I'm, I'm, I'm very bullish on uh, on Best Buy. They, they definitely had a different culture 20 years ago than Circuit City did. And, and that proved out very quickly. Uh, which one of those two would survive of the two. And then yeah. I was surprised that Best Buy survived as well. I've, I've got to be honest with you, but. Um, yeah, I mean, they took all the CDs out of the store, like all yep. the DVDs gone. You can't even buy Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill there. They made it, it's the experience is, is, is nice in there. It's, it's, it's open, it's vast. Yeah. Clean. So speaking about experience from a marketing perspective, somebody has this amazing offer that you can't live without, like, um, hey, check out the 10 things you need to do before buying long-term care insurance. Right? Every financial advisor has one of those lead magnets. You just give it away or do you make them uh, enter the information, add friction? I've you- never believed in friction. I don't believe in it at all because I believe that... Is name and email address friction? Yeah. Yeah. 
Because us as human beings know what's happening with that transaction. That's a transaction. Yeah. Welcome to the funnel. Something's coming from that. And then let's be honest with ourselves. Nine times out of 10, 9.8 times out of 10, the user is let down with what's behind the gate. The 10, 10 things you need to consider about long-term. They get in there and it's, I could have Googled this. Right. And then, then the phone call starts and the drip campaign starts. And, the email, and then all that does, in my opinion, Nick, is it might only be decimal points, but it takes away decimal points from you. Decimal I had Nick at a, a 96.8. Yeah. He just gated me on this. Now, right. All right. Now my score for Nick, if you were a stock price, you know, you just, you're a, you're $94.50 now. You just went down a couple bucks. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. And people are smart enough today that um, they know they've entered the funnel as soon as they give you their information. And Use maybe, yourself as the proxy. Like, do you fill that stuff out for marketing? Never. Zero Why chance. Why don't you? Because I don't. I don't want the onslaught of stuff that's coming next. You know. But and so, do you think that, like, depending on your audience, do you think they're any different? No, zero chance they're different. Very little chance. At least, law of large numbers. But there are things that I do subscribe to. Subscribing is right? different. Because I'm interested. Like. But they, they've, they've already they've already won me over, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, but like that's me hosting a, you know, I, I did this program right, this jumpstart program where I host advisors and I capped it at five and I had five advisors sign up and we have a basically a group session, me and five of them, and we talk for an hour and they pay to be there. Like I could open that up for free and then have however many people in there as I want, but. Um, by capping that, I've created a small little community, and that that to your point could just be a, a subscription thing that people pay to be yeah. a part of. Yeah, I mean, there's some things that I think are so good that I'm going to the website thinking, how on earth can I subscribe to these things so I don't miss the next stuff they put out? Like this was so good, I don't want to live in a world where I miss the next article that they put out. Sure, I think that's the goal when we create content, right? To be so good that people can't live without having to see what's next. I think you create to be so good that, yeah, you, at the, at the end of the day, people would be willing to pay you for that, even though you're not charging for it. Yeah, I agree. Why did you ask that question? Are you, do you, do you toy with this idea? I mean, I, 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 I think, I've had financial advisors asking me about it recently and you know, like how do we get people into the funnel? This is the way to do it. And it just, it just feels, it just feels dirty to me because that's not how I would go. Like to your point, that's not how I would go about wanting to get information. It, it, it's hard to get that one piece in front of somebody. You know, sometimes it's just luck, you know, I mean, there's people that I really like, that I read their stuff and I'm like, I'm not sure how they got into my feed or whatever, but that was awesome. And now I have to have it. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes it's just hard creating that really good content that actually gets in front of people to give you a fighting chance, which I think the only chance that you have is volume. You have to create consistent 
good content so that when someone miraculously through the grace of algorithms comes across something that you've created or it's been shared with them in, in some meaningful way um, that they like it and it's good enough for them to at least remember you. I think you're answering your own question here. I, I, I think I'm not a marketer. I'm just a guy. I'm a jazz, just a guy. You I'm know what you're guy doing. too. I, I, I just, I think a lot of people are looking for shortcuts and they think, and that, that presents itself as a shortcut. Yeah. I'll close with the quote from the movie Vanilla Sky. Have you, have you seen Vanilla Sky? It does involve Tom Cruise. I have. So he plays the character of David Ames and he comes to the realization. He says, um, you know, nothing is bigger than the little things. And like you said, those little things add up potentially in a negative way. And when you're trying to um, do things the right way, there aren't a lot of shortcuts. Nope. Work in time. Repetition. Reps, reps, stuff. Reps. I'm all about it. Thank you guys for uh, being with us. Episode two is a wrap. I'm going to have to go back through this and figure out what the hell we talked about for the last hour. NBA Jam, NBA 75, best movies. Or no, best TV shows. Yeah, so those... (laughs) We might do best movies. Uh, Best movies next week. Those are the hooks. The rest of it's just, you know, off-the-wall rambling. We need to talk about some guests that we want to get on as well. So we'll have to... If anybody has any tips on how to survive Disney, you can email me at nick at knowmyplan.com. I I have no tips. I I can't believe you're going back after the messages I got from you over the summer. It's my way of trying to prove that I'm a good husband and father. One dole whip at a time. Yep. <laughs> Enjoy <Sorry>. the lines. <laughs> no doubt. Good right. time for it. Thank Cheers. you. See you guys. Bye.